What's up? We're doing like, we're saying hi like ET. Yes, <laughs> yes we oh. are. <laughs> I know I shouldn't be making jokes completely about the visual. Nobody saw it, but Cameron put his finger up and then gave me a two little like it's like a finger winky. How would you describe that to a person? What is that? It's like a if my finger was a worm, it was just bowing towards you. <laughs> you know, a little a little wormy bow of deference and friendship. <laughs> Yeah, so exactly. If you were a Sesame Street worm, you'd stop moving laterally so you can move vertically. Right. And give a little... Just just bow my head, you know. <laughs> good to see you. Yeah, good to good hear to you. you. Good too. to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, I saw you last week. You played uh, in Ryan's backyard. Sure, that's true. We did a little Ryan Hood live stream. It was great. It was awesome. It was a great idea. Like when you guys first were going to do it, I was like, is like Facebook Live capable of having like both you and Ryan and like in your homes to like sync up? Right. And then when I saw that you was like, oh no, it's the backyard. And it's like, it must have been weird to like have you have to be so many feet apart from each other. So you guys probably weren't setting up each other's stuff like you normally do and taking it down. Right, right. I didn't touch a single thing of his. Um the whole time that I was in his his backyard, his son, um, who's I think seven, had drawn yeah. out like like a little <laughs> marker with chalk on the ground, six feet apart for us to stand, just to make That's sure. So funny. You know, just getting in on the on the yeah, keep, keeping daddy safe. Keeping daddy safe. That's exactly right. So we stood there. We didn't get as close as normal. I never, you know, cast my sweat upon him, which is my, you know tradition i guess cast my sweat upon him it's like if you pointed in his direction just a half a cup of water would go that way basically well you know i'm like a very energetic performer singer sweater Mm -hmm. i'm a plosive singer you know where i'm just like there's just water coming out of my mouth constantly when i sing actually was just thinking about you um you do you remember the zen of screaming how could I forget the Zen of Screaming? Melissa and, Cross is amazing. Melissa Cross is amazing. She's this like, I don't know. She's she's probably about five foot two would be my guess. And oh, have you she, met her? No, I've never met her. But okay. you could just tell from those from those DVDs. She's just a short woman with a powerful voice, and she teaches all of the like punk and hardcore and oh, yeah. metal singers how to sing loud, right? But how to not destroy their voices while they do that. Yeah. And you showed that to me, and you know I'm just when you showed that to me, it was just like in a, a little folk band. I guess I'm still like in a little folk band, but I was like this, I need this. I absolutely need this. Mm-hmm. And the re- the reason you got me hooked on that is you were like, dude, you just need to like fling your voice against the wall. Watch like this. And you were like, ah! and you like yeah. flung out with your hand towards the wall. And I was like, I need that. How did you do that? And you were like, oh, it's easy like this. Ah! And you did it again. <laughs> And I was like, I have to have that in my life. And you were like, oh, it's just the Zen of Screaming. It's Melissa Cross. And since then, I get alternately praised or accused for being one of the loudest singers that people know because I'm constantly throwing my notes mm-hmm. to the back of the, the theater yeah. or the room. And that's from you. Thank, Thank you, you dude. Yeah. Oh, dude, it was such a great find. I was in Best Buy and it was when DVDs were like still super popular. And they weren't, it wasn't a cheap DVD either. It was like a $25 DVD, but I thought the idea of Zen and screaming was so funny 
that I was like making fun of it. And then like I read, I read the back of it that explained that she teaches you how to do this stuff safely. And I was like, wait, excuse me? Totally worth it. Yeah, it was so good. And, and we were roommates at the time. Yep, I remember. And you were on the road a bunch. And so when you were on the road, I would uh, scream to my heart's content. And it, oh, dude, that, I probably screamed along with that DVD for six solid months. Do your podcast listeners know that you are also a singer and a musician or do they mainly know you folks do you mainly know him as a uh, as a comic or do you know about his accomplished musical side what do you think uh, we'll wait for them to respond because uh, you asked them directly i have one episode where we talked about it uh for in the entire episode yep if you remember my buddy andy i'm sure you remember andy yep I had Andy on just a couple of days ago, so it will be released. Nice. I don't know at what point. Sure. Where I was just like, dude, just tell me five foot two stories. And it's great. It's a great half hour. I'm really excited to release. If if it was already released, I hope you listen to it. If not, so there is a little glimpse into it, but for the most part, they have no idea. They have no idea that I do any of the singing or the guitar playing right. at all. So I remember that you were capable of playing really hard like very early you played the acoustic guitar harder than i had ever seen it played but also it was packed with riffs you had this way yeah. of like you had a really unorthodox way of playing riffs and so you were an acoustic punk rocker basically uh that's what i remember um from five in fact i'm just uh ryan hood has launched a patreon and mm -hmm. so anyone who doesn't know ryan hood is my my folk rock americana indie duo whatever no one knows how to talk about their own band but we have that and we just launched a patreon and so i'm going through a lot of our old stuff uh just looking for like old mini disc recordings and first versions of things that might be fun to uh to patrons and i came across um some recordings on a mini disc of like circles uh that was one of the songs that that you yeah. did like the earliest ones there was um oh yeah enjoy, enjoy uh I know exactly. Yeah, you're embarrassing me, and I like what? it. Yes. What was it? <laughs> enjoy, enjoy yourself, or something like that. Um, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it while we're talking. That's but, crazy. You have some really early stuff of mine. That yeah, it was. You had a song called "Enjoy Your Day," and then a song called "Circles," which was my favorite because it was really weird guitar stuff. A song yeah. called "Fulfilled." And so yeah. I, I made a mini disc recording as one of the, one of the first, we didn't ever put it out, but it was like, hear your songs and listen back to them and know like kind of what to fix yeah. and improve. Yeah. I remember playing that uh, for you, uh, like for the mini disc thing. I have no idea. Cause it was like, I knew how to play guitar crazy. Like, cause yep. I definitely knew that like I was putting together like three or four different kinds of styles of how to play a guitar, which yep. shockingly mostly came from bass players. Looking back now, I'm like, if I put all that energy into bass, I'd be like an amazing bass player. Right. Instead, right. I'm just a really weird, funky guitar player. Yeah. You Which, you were funky. I like that about it, though. I I love it. I still love the way I play, and I still try to play it funky. Um, but yeah, like, because I was, you write some of the best songs I ever heard in my whole life, and you have a great way. <laughs> you do. <laughs> you just... Well, thank you. That's an amazing <laughs> thing to drop, like as a preamble to what you're about to say. Thank you for that. Yeah, but it was like as a person that I know that can do that, I was like, "Hey, how do I take this skill that I have, and can I 
turn that into a watered down version of a skill you have in spades. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you had and, your own thing going. No, my exactly. memory is my memory is that you you were like on this punk rock it was like comedy punk rock like um and i one thing i remember actually is that you were going to do a cover a bunch of mormon hymns done in punk yeah. rock style mm-hmm. and then release it as an album called missionary calling where you were like smashing an acoustic guitar on the cover <laughs> in reference to london calling i still yeah. think it's a great idea there's still time <laughs> to do that if you want. Yeah, well, the, for the listeners, uh, I was raised Mormon, which I don't think is brought up at all in the You're first like, 20 episodes. And uh, the missionaries can only listen to Mormon songs. And Dude, so the people... You were going to so, do a service for your punk rock loving Mormon friends. It was, yeah, so no, it was actually beautiful. really... I love it. It was actually really sincere. Like, I know it sounds super sarcastic, but it was because if you like punk music, and you're Mormon, and you're on your mission, you have zero things to listen to. And so I was like, no, like, they should have something. Even if it's like, hey, this feels like novelty, it also scratches the itch. Because they don't, they have somebody that does, like, a pop version of the Mormon songs. So they can listen to, like, something that doesn't sound so churchy when they're in the car together. Right. But it was also like, no, if they like a little rockin', that is so beautiful. I'm almost going to cry right now. I had no idea. <laughs> I definitely thought there was just kind of a like. Um, just it wasn't a, sarcastic at all. Yeah. It was really like if you like rock music and you're on your mission, you have two years where you can't listen to it. And so it was just like somebody should make this album. The problem that I came across like emotionally with that idea is I am not very Mormon at all. And so it was just like, oh, how do you? You didn't like you any this? of the songs enough to actually want to make a punk <laughs> rock cover of them. I started learning them, and it was also it just felt like I wasn't the right person for that. Uh, the idea is really good. I'm not the right human being for that. Like I it understand. should be a human being who really loves Mormonism the way I. Because I was more worried about they're going to be without punk rock, not like they're going to like boost. <laughs> <laughs> That's still good, man. That's still good. Which you, I'm it's, fine with. If anybody hears this and they just want to take that idea, please take that idea. Those people need punk rock. That's so good. So yeah, that's, that's the whole, the whole point. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I just think that's a part of your personality that uh, that I've had the privilege of knowing for a long time. That you're an incredible giver. Um, I have memory. I think the first time we ever hung out, you were like, "Hey, I'll take you out to dinner," and I was like are you sure? And you were like, yes, absolutely. We're getting soup and salad and I'm treating. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, okay, cool. And then another time, I think this was in college or maybe right after college. Uh, I just, I always wear the Adidas Sambas and I still do, you know, mm-hmm. and I love those shoes and they're all I want to wear. Uh, but one time I could actually see through the shoes, like there were holes in the bottom in multiple places. And then the next time I saw you, you were basically like, get in, we're going to the mall. And I was like, what's up? And you were like, you need shoes. And I was like, I can't afford to get shoes right now. And you're like, I'm getting you shoes. And so mm-hmm. you just took me to like Foot Locker at the mall and bought me a new pair of Sambas just because I needed them. And I felt yeah. like I was broke at the, like, I don't know if, I mean, no, no, just I get a big what you're saying. Side of your side of you. And Thank I don't know you. if your people know that. Yeah. You know what? 
I want to say my friends do, but the listeners don't necessarily know some of that stuff. Although I will say, I believe I lost the job from being that kind of a giving person. What happened? So I was a delivery guy uh, for like groceries for a while. And there was an employee who was like missing like parts of his shoes. And I was just like, was like, hey man, uh, what size shoes are you? Right? Like, and he mentioned it. I didn't say anything. I just bought him a pair of shoes and I left it at work. And then like, you know, he started wearing those shoes. Wow. And th- well, he oh, took it as an insult. Wow. He took uh, it as an insult. And um, so like, it was like, Hey, you can't do stuff like that. And I was just like, I was just trying to be nice, you know, like, and he's like, yeah, but you clearly also have the same job as this person. You know, like, it's like, did he say these like things I'm to you or was there some third party who came in? A third kinda... party who came in to say something to me. Wow. Huh. And so, like, I got in trouble for that behavior later on for the same same token. Yeah. And so, like, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, I got to think about some of that other stuff. Like, we were in a position of friendship that it was like our friendship was very strong. You and uh, I, this, yeah. Yeah, and this other person, we weren't. And so, like, it was like, oh, you can't randomly do that kind of thing to a person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Like, that's really interesting. It has to be, it has to come from a place of relationship. You can't, well, it I does. Mean, you can't, I guess it turns out you can't just throw money at things, you know, not saying that you were doing that, but that's like a lesson yeah. that we're learning as a culture right now. We see a need and rather mm-hmm. than build relationship, we're like, here's money. You know, that's yeah. my, it's my first impulse also. It's just harder and it takes longer to build real relationship you know but i still i I get it but i i want to praise the impulse because i like that about you i still want to praise the impulse i still want to be like no man this is your ego in the way of accepting this gift i'm not asking for anything in return i'm not asking you know like like if that guy doesn't even want to be my friend that's fine but like did you give him a different kind of shoes i did <laughs> he was like, "What? You don't like my shoes?" You know, I don't know why I did that voice, but he's just like, you know, yeah, he's that, Mario from the video game. He's like, like "Woohoo! Mario you boots. Hate my shoes." <laughs> yeah, you know, Mario gets the black shoes. Uh, you know, it was a. Uh, I'm trying to remember what he. I don't even remember the specific thing that he wore, but I remember going to like Ross and finding what I thought was like the biggest like name designer thing that wouldn't look like it came from Ross. Because mm-hmm. when you go to Ross, the number one thing you do is you look for what looks like it doesn't belong at Ross. You're like, <laughs> people can think I didn't buy this at Ross. And so like, it was just, it was like 20 bucks. I want to say they were Reebok. They were fine. They were middle ground shoes. Sure. Sure. Well, I like it. I like that impulse. Yeah, no. And thank you for the, the compliment. Uh, do you remember the first time you met me or realized I was a person? Yeah, it was, uh, it was at uh our high school and Mm -hmm. it was on the east side of the high school between the like east uh so okay hold on this is unimportant to anyone listening except for me and you but it was on the northeast side of the high school between that exit and where the little theater was yeah okay that's the first time i remember seeing you and meeting you and forming uh like an aaron being in my brain Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember, I don't know how far apart it was from when I first knew who you were, because I saw you play at a Battle of the Bands. Mm-hmm. So I saw you play at a Battle of the Bands, 
And so then from there on out, you were the guy that was like in the band in my mind. And then for some reason, even though your band sounded great and everything, when you, we had a class together where like I had my guitar, I pulled it out and you're like, hey, can I play it? And like, I was like, uh, sure. Like I was like hesitant. And like, then you played for like, somewhere were like four or five seconds into you playing. I was like, damn, Cameron's like super good. Like it was. That's such a dick move though, to be like, oh, you've got a guitar. I play guitar. I'll take that. You know, just it didn't come off like it. that. No, I didn't no. feel like you were stealing it as much as it was like, we were kind of round robining. Like there was a couple of us that were like showing each other like little riffs and stuff. Nice. And then our little riffs were definitely just like, we're plucking these like major major notes of the thing. They weren't like fully rounded things to where you were already like, Oh no, this one, this riff has like a bass note going through it and the thing on top. Huh. Check out this thing that I'm working on. And we were like, it made me go home. Like I got to work on something like that too. But it was uh, shocking that I'd already seen you play guitar in a full band, enjoyed it. And then was surprised when you like, did it again you know you're like huh. no i've seen him do it it's a thing he knows how to do i see like i didn't just pull off one time like on a stage pretending or something for some reason it was like because it was on a stage like that's just what the stage sounds like right but then it was like when it was my guitar six feet away from me it was like oh no no this is cameron's ability i'm amazed that you you just said positive things about my high school band despite the fact that it, i think it was probably worlds different from anything you were listening to or that i would probably listen to now mm-hmm. you know it was very just sort of sweet all songs were about girls almost all songs were major chord you know they did have some some riffs and stuff in there but i'm mm. amazed that you have, have praised it so much just now despite despite those facts that you probably wouldn't have listened to it otherwise uh yeah for sure no if if you guys were like if that exact music was on the radio i would have ignored it but because it was something that i viewed early like to be one of the early bands i saw live Mm -hmm. because but that time in high school i'd seen like maybe a couple big bands and big concerts but they weren't bands that i wanted to see yep and battle of the bands was a choice that i made that i wanted to see these things did you have uh jericho on this podcast I did have Jericho on this podcast. He must have been one of the first bands because his band was was another of the major bands at our high school. His band was the reason I went. Oh. Jericho, I, w- I made friends with Jericho a couple months before going to that battle of the bands. And I had seen his band practice. I'd never seen them like play a show. And so I was like, oh no, we're playing the show at a high school. Uh, I was already in that high school. No, he's like, yeah, we're playing the auditorium. Come. And I was like, yeah, great. Sounds awesome. That band, so he was, was why I was there. It was called Fragment, I think, was his, his first band. Fromage. Oh, really? It was okay. French for cheese. <laughs> and they, uh, so that was about as deep as the band went. They were. <laughs> I see. I see. Interesting. Yep, he has always represented a side of music that um, I think I was always scared of. They, they were just a, like, let's just do anything we want and play it loud. Like it's a true sort of like punk way of looking at the world. And I was like, but, but chords and songs. And also like, you know, cause I come from a religious background also. And so mm-hmm. everything is, is ordered and structured. And he always represented something that was just like so far outside of that. I would compare it to the difference between where they probably 
put Motorhead and their discography versus where you put Motorhead and your discography, where they're like louder, harder, faster, is like that's their slogan. Yeah. You know, like, and that's a slogan like those guys definitely ran with. And Jericho still is in these bands that are like, no, harder, faster, stronger, like all those things. And your school is definitely more of like the, no, like we can get an emotion across and we can really like nail this like as a full song thing that other people would want to cover, which is a very different idea. Hmm. I, I read something about Fleetwood Mac that was basically said Fleetwood Mac never never really originated anything. They never really broke ground, but they synthesized things hmm. into something that many of us really love. And I think I'm, I don't think I'm a, a groundbreaker as a musician, but I synthesize parts together and I try to make a, a songwriting matters to me. So I try to make a full mm-hmm. song and I really, really want that song to connect with other people. And sure. that's, that's changed over time. Like in the, the beginning, I absolutely wrote, songs to try to impress the girl at the high school that I liked you know that Mm -hmm. was absolutely what it was um and now you write songs to impress the high school teachers (laughs) (laughs) you're not wrong (laughs) you're not wrong I guess I just think that the ways that you want to connect through music can change over time oh for sure oh dude it does it was totally you guys have a song called mature about maturing and you guys have matured Mm. in your time I know it's not the song you wrote. Sorry to reference other. I'm a I'm a co-writer on that song. I helped. <laughs> I can I can own that. Plus that that's a, that's a song by my bandmate Ryan Green. So Ryan Green, Cameron Hood, Ryan Hood. Uh, Ryan wrote most of that. But we're we're joined at the hip. We're a we're a we're a oh, songwriting yeah. team together. So any win for him is a win for me. You know and yeah. Which by so, the way, for the listener, Ryan's band was also in that battle of the bands. That's true. His band was called Swivelfish. Yeah. Uh, and, and they were a progressive rock band. I have their high school album. I ran across it like two days ago. Nice. Because we're in the middle of uh, the quarantine. I've been like cleaning all my stuff and going through all these boxes and stuff. And I found a box. I found a bunch of boxes just full of CDs. And I was like, oh, great. Now I got CDs I got to get rid of. And then I was looking and I was like, oh, I'm not getting rid of this. The Swivelfish CD. You can't. You can't get no. rid of that. How could That's... I get rid of that? No like way, all right? like those local band things. Like if I threw that away, then it's just in the wind. It's gone. You need to have that because Ryan Green is going to win a Grammy someday. I, I may or may not win one with him. We'll see if our <laughs> band ever wins one. But Ryan Green is going to win a Grammy. And I think to have the Swivelfish CD, the first music he ever made, will come in handy around that time. Oh, dude, I just like the fact that it's like this is a thing that grew with me. Yep. You know, like I still have like your Easy Co album, of course, somewhere around here, like right next to it. And then I like you guys released a CD early. I have Ryan Hood. I have your early demos. I like all of them. Yeah. Yeah. You have, yeah. I don't know. They're, they were, that's getting into some minutiae that, you know, it's hard because none of that's available to anybody, you know, to follow mm-hmm. up on. Uh, but. Yeah. That's true. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to sell these CDs. I'm just saying it's like <laughs> those sort of things are like, oh no, I have some things that I really liked that on CD, even though I was like, I should get rid of all those CDs. Right. You're like, oh, no, no, this is stuff that I grew up with. These are things that I was on the ground floor with that I'm happy to see grow. Absolutely. So I'm curious that. about something. I had a question I wanted to ask you. Um, oh, I, hey, please. I have this memory of uh, I was a music leader at my church for like a youth group, college group thing. And I, uh-huh. I have a memory of you coming to that with me at least once, 
It might have been mm-hmm. more than once, but at least once. Uh, like you were just sort of hanging out because we were going to go get dinner after, right? Yeah. And so it was a rehearsal, I think. So I'm leading, you know, and we're just doing like, yeah, come now is the time to worship, you know, songs yeah. like that. And um, and I, that's what I was doing. And you were there hanging out with me. Mm-hmm. But my memory is that your hair was totally shaved, except for right up. You had two horns. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the at the tops of your forehead, you, that's yeah. all the hair you had was two yeah. horns that were sort of like gelled <laughs> into place, and I think they they might have even been colored red. I'm not sure. That's 100 percent accurate. And I have <laughs> I ran across next to those CDs I was talking about. There's about 20 pictures of us hanging out with me with that haircut, the yes. lollipop gildish, also like just little devil boy, right haircut. Yeah. So was it? Uh, <sighs> I don't, first of all, I don't know how my, my band, my worship team group uh, reacted <laughs> to that, but you were just hanging out. They probably were yeah. like, oh, good. He's at church. That's a good place for him <laughs> in equal parts to being like, we're terrified right now. Uh, but what was that like for you? Cause you were now in this environment, you were in a church environment again, but you're rocking horns. Can you tell me what your experience was like? Okay. So funny thing about that is that. I had a meeting with one of Danny Gabe's friends with his preacher. He had like a priest of some sort that I was talking to once and he was very disrespectful towards my horns. Understandably. But I, uh, I was trying to have a sincere conversation with him and it was like one of those things where he was like, I'm not going to talk to you. Like he didn't even want to start a conversation. What is this? And I was, who, who was, was this? Was this an older guy or, or a, a peer or who was this? I feel like he was older, but probably looking back, he was probably only like three or four years older than us. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was like whoever, like whatever Danny went to, to during college to worship, he had a guy that came over and I wanted to ask him questions about like, like religion. Yeah. And I wanted to ask him questions about the Bible and it wasn't d- aggressive at all. Like it was actually like, after that time, I was all shook and wondering if I should become super religious. I remember. And yeah, exactly. So I went to him because I told Danny all that stuff, like where I was right. feeling super vulnerable about it. And I went to him and he was like, I refuse to talk to you about any of this stuff until you shave those horns off your head. Uh, and he had a Bible uh, on his desk. And I remember uh, sliding it over to him. And I went, uh, yeah. I think once you finish reading this book, you should come to me. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Oh my God. And gosh. Danny was like, that's so disrespectful. And I was like, it was disrespectful what he did. I came to him vulnerably. He came, he was defensive and uh, his whole job is to have his heart open. Like that's what the point of being a preacher, right? Oh my gosh. So I had that maybe two weeks before I went to your thing. Interesting. And so your thing was different because you invited me in. I remember that it was something along the lines of you were like, Hey, Here's the thing. I know we're going to dinner, but I'm going to be at what we, what was it called? Oh, it's uh, just like the Vineyard College Group. The Vineyard. Like, right? I'm going to the Vineyard, which I had like been to with you before. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, if you want to meet up with me there and uh, the guy that we have playing bass is out. So if you can play bass on this, you know, you don't do anything fancy. And I remember playing like you gave me like the sheet music <laughs> and playing like just simple bass, which you needed. And, like if there was a thing where you're like, oh, there's a, this is like the baseline for that. You show me like real fast and I would just do it. 
But because it was like I showed up to play the worship music with this this band of people, I didn't feel judged at all. They were like, oh, no, look, he's helping build our thing. You know, like we're doing a thing together. So I don't even know if there was a moment for me to even realize if there was any judgment. Yeah. It didn't even cross my mind because it was like, hey, guys, I'm here to play your guys' worship music. And they were like, okay, we need a bass player. Yeah, and so maybe there was a moment in their mind where they're like, he's going to purposefully do something against it, but I never did. It didn't even cross my mind to do that. I was invited in to help with this thing. Right. And because I didn't try to sabotage it in any way, I didn't feel any sort of backlash for it. And I'm just guessing that they may have thought like, this looks like that, but they also, but we trust Cameron, so we'll see how this plays out. I think they were probably like, we mostly trust Cameron. We'll see how this plays out. <laughs> uh, I've, I've always had an interesting kind of relationship with um, always having one foot in the church world and one foot out. I'm sure that comes from the fact that I have, I grew up, my mom was like a hippie new age type person. And my mm-hmm. dad was very much in, in the religious world. And so I literally grew up between two worlds. So I feel like I have always been like, the way churchy way goody two shoes guy that all of my non-church friends know. And I've always been the like way worldly, like questionable, you know, guy that all of my church friends know. And it's just (laughs) an interesting place to occupy. And I'm not saying I don't like it. It's just been an interesting, interesting position to have. But I think that's what makes what you do so special and unique is that you do sit in between those two worlds and you see the value in both of those worlds and you question both of those worlds and to sit in the middle of it is really where I think the perspective needs to be. If you were all in one world or all in another world, you're just a stereotype. Sure. To be in the middle of those two and to like, I don't want to say struggle with it, but get the side of both. Yeah. You can see both sides. Right. And so because of that, and like you want to be able to express how you see both sides and like where it all meets in the middle is important because in the middle is where the compromise and everything else happens in the resolution. I sometimes feel, you know, if I'm like in in a church community too long or just in a church service, I'm like, I, I know everything that you're saying, but also do you remember that there are 400 billion stars just in this galaxy and there might be life on those? And there's, you know, probably that many galaxies again. And so can we get our heads like a little bit above the water to remember that it's a lot bigger than what we're thinking right now? And just wanting all of the things that we talk about there to actually be applicable to the world. Mm-hmm. It has to be good news across the board. It can't just be good news when you go inside a church building and feel good about yourself for singing the songs, you know? So I I want that world to sort of open up and remember that this has to apply. It has to actually be good news for the world. It shouldn't just be a thing that we go and sing about in a certain place. And on the other hand, it's like, I want, like, there's so many problems and stuff that we talk about in the world and so many issues so many ways that so many people I know are aching and hurting and I'm like I think there is a beating heart there is like a very quiet light that can be found in this Mm -hmm. and that it matters and the who Jesus was matters and how he sat with people who had their hair styled into horns matters you know and how he was like you're my boy and do you want some bread and wine like like that Mm -hmm. thing actually matters in the world still to me yeah and so they're like i want that i want my sort of secular friends to be like there is a beating heart here that's worth finding and i want my church friends to be like get out of the building get out of the (laughs) building like 
like interact, you know? Yeah, no, I, I get both of that thing. Yeah, because really, I don't understand the point of church if it stays in the building. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It was like, I had a friend that I want to remain nameless, which is why I just called him a friend instead of his name, sure. uh, who wanted, like, he wanted to only sing to his church. Yeah. And I was like, but what's the point if you're going to just sing about church to your church? If you really want to spread the word and do like the work, you should be singing to everybody. I agree. I Maybe this is why we always get along. So. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, we also come from two different. I feel like we come from two different perspectives, but completely agree on so many things. Yep. Yep. And things that makes that. our friendship uh, special and unique. So are most of the podcasts that you've done, are you like, are you just having like a friend fest like we're having right now? Is it just like a friend love fest on the podcast? Or do you guys talk about, um, talk about work or comedy or what, what has been the main theme themes that have come up? It's, I mean, it's a, it's a show about conversations and the kind of conversations you have with people. And so like, it's not like the reason, like I have a lot of friends on is because, I want to be able to show what these conversations are like and there's how many faceted conversations that a person can have. Yep. And so this is actually, I would say, pretty standard with a conversation that we have without microphones. Yeah. And so it's the same with these other people. There's some comedy people I have on where talk just a lot about comedy because that's the conversations I have with them. Yep. You know, like, and then there's like Andy where we're like, he talked about the five foot two stuff. And then we talked about like, his weird forays into like he's now he's been like sober for like almost 20 years now we talked about when he was starting to really like come to grips with the fact he should become sober like those yeah. kinds of conversations yeah in the fun way we talked about the fun rock bottoms <laughs> and then uh <laughs> you know like and so it's just all those different things like where you're like no this i know i'm only one person having many conversations throughout this duration of this podcast yeah. And some are fun and some are smart and some are stupid. And that's the way everyone like, you know, to be, yep. you know, like it's okay to have great conversations or dumb conversations or a full 30 minutes on Batman. I talked to a comic <laughs> where we did not leave the realm of talking about eight bit games the whole time. We only talked about video games the whole time. And I that was my goal with him. I sat down to be like, I only want video games at and he's like, I still want to plug my albums. And like, you can plug your comedy albums, but we're talking video games. Right, right. <laughs> That's awesome. Because it reflects the conversations I have with these people. I could probably talk about Dr. Mario with you. That's that's probably my favorite video game. Dr. Mario. Did you ever play Dr. Mario? Of course I played Dr. Mario. I tried to learn the songs on the guitar. Oh, right. Okay. My Did guitar you... playing at this point is almost just trying to learn Nintendo music. <laughs> I spend so many hours just sitting there plucking away and they're hard. Did you learn the main Super Mario Brothers theme at one point? Not all the way through. Not all the way through. No, because like there's like there's little crazy riffs in it. And I know that Ryan uh, learned it at one point in time. Huh. Ryan from Yeah. And I reached out to him about it. I was like, how did you get around this part? I've heard you play this. Right. And he was like. I've come to the conclusion there's no notes in that part. You have to just make a muddle of noise <laughs> and go to the next part. 
He's like, you know the key, so stay in there and then just go to the next part. Do what you need to do to get there. And you're like, okay, that's the answer. That's so, that's so Ryan. That's so practical. I mean, he's so musically accomplished, you know? Yeah. But that's also, he's, he's very practical also and utilitarian. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, yeah, just that part doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there was just these little weird riffs, you know, like we're just like, what is this noise they're making? It's like, they just threw all, everything at it. Yep. And you have a different instrument in front of you. So you just got to throw things at it, which is great. Um, is there anything you wanted to plug while you're here? Anything I wanted to plug? Um, the biggest thing is that we're doing a Patreon, which I already sort of wove into the conversation because I'm stealthy like that. Um, yeah, no, I got that. But <laughs> but you didn't say a link for it. Sure. Patreon.com slash Ryan Hood or or ryanhood.com we have lots of videos like free videos and stuff there like of us playing yeah you guys music. put up not only some full albums of your latest albums on youtube you guys also made music videos for all of the songs yeah we have that for both our album start somewhere and our album yearbook we have yeah like a, essentially lyric videos for all of them mm-hmm. but the the issue is as you learn to do video editing to make a lyric video, you're like, okay, this one will be cool if I just like film at the beach and I'll just have the ocean in the background and put the lyrics over it. But then you start making it and you're like, well, I could put a little something else in, you know, beside yeah. the ocean. And then you start wanting to tell a story and then you're like, well, mm-hmm. maybe I could just grab a little footage of like Ryan playing pinball and we'll weave that in and that'll be like the big thing. And then the next, <laughs> the next video that you make, like it, it grows from that and you want to have a little mm-hmm. bit more, more story the next time. So the start somewhere one like has a little bit of, I don't want to say story, but it goes kind of somewhere over the yeah. course of the video. But then when I sat down to work on the, uh, the yearbook ones, the whole, the whole bar was raised for me and every one of those tells some kind of story or gets from one place to the next. Uh, and it, I guess it turns out that's just how my brain thinks. I want stories. It's like mm-hmm. any kind of media, whether it's songs, whether it's a whole album. I love concept albums, you know, or whether it's Almost, a music video. I think all humans want story. And you are able to recognize that you need to give story. Mm. But like, even when like, have you saw the toys that made us? Yes. It's like even He-Man, who was essentially made to be an action figure had a story and it was important for them to give a comic to be like this is their story right why do you think it's important i have some thoughts on this um that i would definitely be interested in sharing but i'm curious if like why do you think people love stories so much why why do we connect because that's the part that we connect to like even like when you're on america's got talent and like the talent is just undeniable and that's why you're there they're still like yeah, but you need a story. Like you, you get led into a story. It's you where you know what's put going your, on in their family and stuff. It's where you put your emotional investment. It's where the wow becomes more than a wow and becomes I like this person. It's mm. not I like their skill. It's not I like their talent. It's not I like their song. I don't their joke. I like this person. Right. The star is made in the person, and the person is the story. Interesting, right? And they do a thing that rallies us around them. We want to watch them for that. But the thing that keeps us sticking around and paying attention to them. You'll never rally without story. The personhood. Yeah. Because it's like, I'm learning more and more now in my standup to where like, I was like all about like, can I just write these jokes? I want to write the tightest jokes I can ever write. You know, like, so I'm writing these jokes and people at the end were like, hey, 
I liked that joke. And they'll specifically have a joke they like that they want to tell me at the end of the show. Right. And you're like, no, I need to get to the point where they like me, the person. And right. so that now I'm like, oh, no, I got to figure out ways to throw my personality in and my personality that tells jokes. But my personality has got to be the center. It can't be the joke because that's the thing they could take away and leave the rest and forget who I am. Right, right, right. That's interesting. It's It's been an amazing opportunity for me to watch that, right? From from just seeing you be someone who's like, I say funny things to I'm going to try mm -hmm. to say funny things, you know, on an open mic and mm -hmm. then getting good at doing that and being willing to put yourself out there over and over and over again and then going, okay, crowd work is next. When I get on stage, I need to learn to heckle back or talk to or yeah. build relationships. And then it's like, I need to be able to do that and then say the material that I've written. So I have crowd work and the material together and I need to be able to do five full minutes. And mm -hmm. then it was like, I need to be able to do 10 full minutes and I can't forget the crowd work. And then I need those 10 minutes to be better than they were before. It's not just get mm -hmm. 10 minutes. It needs to be 10 good minutes while not forgetting crowd work. And then the idea that it's like, <laughs> how do I, how do I do all of that? And also remember to actually be myself on stage and let them to connect with me as a human. Right. And then there's the added, the added bit, which is like, I don't know that many people who do it, who are like, I can weave all of that together into telling like a story over the course of my 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes. I'll tell you why. Cause if the sets get longer, those cute things that lasted for those five minutes. Cause you can sit there and just do the jokes for five minutes. If you're just doing the jokes and you're 15 minutes in and they don't see any of your personality yet, you can see them get bored. Yeah. They're like, I get this, but I haven't invested in you. Right. And so if you don't learn those other things, the idea of getting to an hour is impossible. Right. Or it's just mean to those people. Like, that's the other thing. I feel like doing bad stand up for a long period of time is like the meanest thing you can do. <laughs> it's so hard to be there. It's like, because what, what often happens is the audience is like, uh oh, this is going to be uncomfortable. And the audience starts helping out the performer by clapping at, and laughing at things that are marginally funny because our empathy, which kicks I in. find so offensive. <laughs> when I'm on stage and you get a sympathy laugh, because you can feel it. Right. You go, don't give me the sympathy laugh. <laughs> Make me earn it. <laughs> like, you know, like it's. It's yeah, tricky, it's man. You've, al you've almost lost them at that point because they, uh, something yeah, that I feel like did. I try to keep in mind is that the audience is there to go on an experience and they mm -hmm. want to let go and go on the experience. And I, as a singer or you as a comic are, are the MC. You're, you're the one who's mm -hmm. going to, you're captaining a ship and you're saying, get yeah. aboard this ship. And for the next 10 minutes or 20 or 30 or an hour, we're going to go somewhere and you can let your guard down and just enjoy yourself. And people want nothing more than to do that, to let their guard down and enjoy it. But if they're worried about us, right? If our jokes are not mm -hmm. funny, if we're communicating our anxiety on stage, they will, their empathy will kick in for a little while, but they mm -hmm. will get tired of doing that. And they'll, they'll start crossing their arms and be like, I don't want to be here or support. This is not why I came out tonight mm -hmm. to support someone else. You know, I have a little bit of natural empathy, but I don't want to just keep supporting them. I want them to help me let go. Yeah. There's a, a thing that I picked up on when you opened up for Mraz in Tempe and you took yeah. me with. Yeah. And uh, so when that was happening, when I watched like him walk out on stage, there was already a moment of like, he like what I would have done tense wise and then like been out on stage tense. I feel like I was tense the entire time I was on stage 
up until maybe a year and a half ago. And I'm talking about music and comedy, all of that stuff. I right. brought my tension up there with him. And he exhaled real big and he did the little loosey goosey thing and then walked out already completely loose to the people as if like he already had this air of like, I got this. Right. And like, and then of course, as soon as he hit the mic, he had this, he got right. this and we all knew he got this and we knew that he was going to deliver. Uh, even though I had never heard his records, I'd only heard his singles. I knew he had this. Right. And, and so, so you're now willing to I trust him to... and go to this place with him and maybe even learn to like some songs you don't know, right? Yeah. And he, so there he... was a point a couple mm -hmm. of months ago, maybe a year and a half ago now, where I was focusing on, no, you got this and they need to know that you got this and that they're in, fine in your hands before you even touch the mic. And part of that, I think, is to walk up there slowly. Yeah. Because like, you're like, oh, no, no, we got this. What are we doing? Like, and then to already be like breathing relaxed before you get there. Yep. Because if you show up and the first thing you do is exhale hard into a microphone, you're letting them all know you don't got this. And if they see you tense, they get tense with you. Right. But if They're they like, see you relaxed, they relax with you. That's exactly right. It's like Simon says, you know, they're looking mm -hmm. at you and they're taking all their cues for what this is actually like based on. So if you're like, yeah, so it's great to be with you tonight. I'm very, they're like, nope, nope. I don't want to be here already. <laughs> yeah. and I haven't heard any jokes yet. Right. Yeah, but exactly. it's, it's the exhale. It's dropping your shoulders. Mm -hmm. It's the body language that just, and I think the thing is it's, you can't necessarily fake that body language. You have to actually drop your shoulders and breathe mm -hmm. and get comfortable on stage. And when you've really done that, people know or they're not dumb. They, they see yeah. that and they're like, okay, I want this. I'm willing to listen. Yeah. Well, when they give you a microphone, they are letting you be the leader. They're wanting you to be the leader for as long as you have the microphone. And if you show that you aren't capable immediately, they're like, we already regret our decision. Right. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And so there's also like a shame on my, me for this, uh, Another great piece of advice I got for anyone who's listening that might be nervous on stage is you have but two lines to really calm them down. Or really, they say the first line to really let them know the truth, the thing. But if you need that one because you're nervous, just say it's good to be here um, because it's or it's welcoming. It is a, a thing that like a leader will do. You can flub that line up and no one cares. Right. And it gives you a moment to adjust to the microphone and the audience and they can look at you and be like, well, he, he knows what he's doing, but you got to deliver that second line. And the second line is like the, essentially the first line of your set, basically. Yeah, it would be the joke. Yeah, you have to land that next joke if you're yeah. going to do, it's good to be here. Right. But it's good to be here goes a long way in that. That's what you do when you're nervous. I was told when you're nervous to uh, walk as slow as you can to the microphone because that's giving you more time to to calm down and if you're still nervous when you get to the microphone you uh you can wave to people on both sides of the microphone and then if you need it's good to be here but that next line you gotta fucking deliver Cameron Hood, I don't know how to say this enough. 
Cameron Hood is one of the greatest friends of my life. You're going to hear me say that a couple times because you guys have all lived a life like me. And you know that you have like a five-year chunk where you're just thick as thieves with this person. And then you move on to another person. You're thick as thieves for five more years. We all, it all comes and goes in cycles. I can't imagine telling this story of my life without including Cameron Hood, most prevalent, I would say, at the end of high school up until I was 30, you know, like those 12 years, you know, like, and then I moved to Los Angeles and now we check in with each other and that love is never shaken. So strong. I, I love him. I love him like a brother. In fact, my whole family knows him because he's just been welcomed into my whole family. He's absolutely great. I don't want to live a life without knowing this man. And I'm happy I get introduced to you guys. And the bigger thing, I mentioned how great his songwriting is, and then we just blasted right past it. Look him up. His band's name is Ryan Hood. One word, Ryan Hood, because Ryan Green is the guitar player, also sings and writes beautiful songs. Cameron Hood does the same exact setup, same exact thing. Both incredible musicians. Ryan Hood, look him up. I've heard every one of their songs at least 100 times because I just love it. And then, of course, Cameron has got a couple solo things you can look out for, too. Uh, yeah, guys, that's that episode. I, as always, am Aaron Michael Marsh. Aaron M. Marsh on everything. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. I know that I say that every time. But I say that every time because every episode is somebody's first episode listening. And if it's your first time, I want you to know that you can enjoy more episodes. I welcome you to reach out to me on social media and all the things. You know, like... Thank you guys for listening, and thank you for putting up with me. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, whether I find a place in this world or never belong, I've got to be me. I've got to be free.